strain those improv muscles every This funky boy going this morning. Oh man, Jeff's on his or paralegal. Jeff seems like he's out on assignment. Maybe he'll be in a little later. Today is June 10th, 2018. It's the day before my birthday. And um, I'm gonna do a little speed Gibson, do some headlines. And uh, I think I have a meeting here at noon, so that should be uh, be pretty easy. In and out. Alright, let me shut up and uh, get to speed Gibson. Smuggling activities of that genius of evil, the octopus, have brought Speed Gibson, his uncle, Clint Barlow, and Barney Dunlap, all members of the International Secret Police, to Hong Kong, China, to end the criminal's career once and for all. The boys have been invited to dine with Dr. Kingsley on their first evening in Hong Kong. Clint has planned to ask the doctor what he knows of the neighborhood indicated on the map that Marsha Winfield's brother sent her. Another member of the party rouses his suspicion, however... Mr. Wu, a high-caste Chinese who, in reality, is a member of the Octopus Band. Clint's uncanny intuition holds him silent before the man, and then, while they are all looking at a Chinese gong, a knife flies through the window and Clint, wounded, falls to the floor. We find Speed, Barney, and Mr. Wu anxiously watching as Dr. Kingsley finishes bandaging Clint. There you are, Barlow. How does that feel? Well, as well as any knife wound can feel after a good doctor is taking care of it, Dr. Kingsley. You were lucky. That knife was aimed for your heart. And would have found it if you hadn't shoved me aside. Sure would, Clint. It cuts in the arm just about at your heart level. And I can thank you for saving my life, Doctor. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. Master Gibson saved the life of the doctor's small daughter. The doctor saved the life of Mr. Barlow. In the eyes of the Chinese, the debt is paid. I'd give anything to know who did that. My servants are searching the ground. Don't think it'll do much good, Doc. That knife throwing axe smacks of the octopus, and you never find anybody who'd done anything when the smoke's cleared away. You were near that window when it happened, Barney. Didn't you see anything? Wouldn't I have yipped if I had? 
I was admiring the window itself, not looking through it. Ah, yes, the Chinese moon window, large and round, so as to let as much of the moonlight in as possible. A charming legend is written about the moon window. If you'll pardon me, Mr. Wu, I'm more interested in the legend about this dragon knife than in that of the moon window right now. Oh, quite so. The dragon knife was once only the property of royalty. The old empress, Su Tsi, born Lan Kui, had several. Her favorite was made of pure gold studded with pink jade and diamonds. Well, the Boxer Rebellion did away with the old empress and her autocracy. Mm, yes. But the dragon knives live on. They are only used on those of high standing. Oh, you take it as a compliment to be punctured with one of those savers, huh? In a way, yes. It is an honorable death. Well, I don't see anything honorable about a knife being thrown from the dark. I think the octopus and his gang are nothing but a bunch of cowards. You're right, Speed. And if that knife had been poisoned, as they so often are, that scratch on the arm would have been the end of your uncle. It was almost the end of Miss Marcia. She just about fainted when she saw Clint go down. Yeah, it's too bad she and Jean had to see that. You did the right thing and sent them to Jean's room while you bandaged Clint up, Doc. Ah, it's a bad business. I spoke to Miss Winfield about staying on as Jean's governess, but she said that she had business to attend to elsewhere. I don't like to see her going about China alone, not with this octopus organization at work. Yes, it would be better if she stayed here with Jean for the time being. And what are you going to do, Mr. Barlow? Uh, do? In regard to this octopus? Mr. Wu, uh, I haven't the slightest idea. Hmm. I believe the hour is growing late. I had best be going. May I drive you and your friends to your hotel, Mr. Barlow? Uh, no, thank you. I've already arranged with the rickshaw boy to pick us up here, Mr. Wu. Very well. I shall look forward to our meeting again very soon. Well, um, I'll see you to the door, Mr. Wu. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Andrew. What do you think, Clint? I know the octopus isn't wasting any time in trying to get me out of the way. Are you going to cable the chief? No. Not until we talk to our tea merchant tomorrow morning. By the way, why did you tell Wu we had a rickshaw boy calling for us? That's not true, because we didn't know when we'd leave. I told Mr. Wu that because, first, I didn't want him to know at what hotel we were staying. Second... I wanted some time alone with the doctor. And third, we're not going to the hotel tonight. We're going to stay right here. Here? That don't make sense. Mm, more sense than you can get through your thick head, old pal. I've got a hunch that whoever threw that dragon knife is waiting somewhere along the Langsu Road with some other assassins. Suffering wang doodles. She will. Exactly. And now, as soon as the doctor returns, I'm going to show him our map and see if he recognizes any of the streets marked. The octopus isn't wasting any time. Neither will we. Yes, master. What is your report? I have just come from the home of Dr. Kingsley. The dragon knife failed. Ah, must I do such work myself? Can I not trust my operators anymore? Has this Clint Barlow cast a spell upon them? It was purely fate, master. Had the doctor not seen the knife and pushed Barlow aside under the floor, your plan would have succeeded. The doctor? 
Hmm. What of the knife thrower? He and four others are waiting Barlow and the other two in the shadows of Lang Su Road. I asked Barlow if I might drive them to the hotel, but he refused, saying that their rickshaw boy was calling later. They will not get past our men. And uh, the Winfield girl? The doctor wanted her to stay on at his home as governess for the child, but she has refused. She said she had business elsewhere. I will not tolerate her interference. I know what men will do, but women, never. She must be removed. Yes, master. But I shall attend to her later. Just now, since you have brought me so much information, Kwan Wu, I shall retaliate. The octopus should tell you some things you do not appear to know. I listen, master. I have information that Clint Barlow, Speed Gibson, and Barney Dunlap are not staying at Fowler House as you thought. No, but they led me to think that they would. May I remind you, Wu, that you are not dealing with ordinary detectives. The International Secret Police do not take kindly to suggestions from strangers. I begin to understand. They are staying at the Golden Lotus. The Golden Lotus? I have sent operators to the hotel to await their coming. But this does not satisfy me. I know Clint Barlow too well to think that he is missing anything that is going on. What do you mean, Master? As you know, that shipment of slaves from Hong Chao is coming down the Siang River tomorrow night. I want nothing to interfere with their transfer to the freighter here at Hong Kong. Nothing will, Master. They are coming on a flower boat. No one will dream, seeing dancing girls and blossoms above, that slaves are below the deck. Perhaps. But I will make sure that no one will dream anything. Not only will my men go to the Golden Lotus tonight, but await the coming of the secret police. But I am sending some to Dr. Kingsley's home, just in case Barlow decides to spend the night there. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, gee, I've looked so long at that map that I don't know if it's a map of Hong Kong or New York. Well, I think we've done about all we can on it, Mr. Barlow. The street names that I've listed for you are mostly guesswork, but then, of course, sometimes a guess turns out to be right. Uh, yes, I appreciate your help, Doctor, and I must ask you to keep silent about what we've just discussed. Well, of course. How's your arm? Oh, it aches a bit, but that's only natural. It won't keep you awake, will it, Clint? I should say not. We've had a big day today. Nothing short of the house falling down could wake me up. Uh, don't say that too loud. You might give the octopus ideas. <laughs> well, I, I believe you're as safe here as you would be any place. The octopus couldn't possibly know that you've decided to spend the night here. Well, we're very grateful to you for allowing us to stay, Doctor. Well, on the other hand, it is I who am grateful. Your presence guarantees the safety of my daughter, Miss Winfield. Oh, oh, well, let's put that map away and get some shut-eye, huh? I'm out on my feet. Me too. You want this map of the city, too, Barney? Yeah, if I can have it, Doc. By all means. I'll uh, show you to your rooms now. Oh, thank you. Oh, by the way, Doctor, have you any sort of protection around this house? Uh, burglar alarms or something similar? No, I haven't, Barlow. I never felt any need for them. Just me and the servants here. Yeah, but now your daughter is here, too. Yeah, Doc, so long as this octopus guy's around, I wouldn't take any chances. Good heavens, do you think... Doctor, me? you're an important man in Hong Kong. You may actually see and speak with the octopus every day. You may be in his way, since you're honest. Has he ever sought to contact you? No. But he may be watching your every move. His eyes are those of his spies. If he should ever want you to shut your eyes to something crooked, or want you to do something for him, he may force you to bow to his will through your daughter. Well, he wouldn't dare. I'm in the diplomatic service. I have full protection from the government. 
and the added protection of being an American citizen. The octopus recognizes no boundaries, Dr. Kingsley. The world is his chessboard, and those who stand in his way are pawns and kings to be moved as he wishes. Yeah, but his game is a lot rougher than chess. Hey, where are you going, Speed? Just over here to the moon window, Barty. I want to take another look at it. Oh, oh look at it tomorrow, kid. Let's go to bed now. If I stay up much longer, I'll fall asleep right here. Okay, just a second. Your arm isn't bothering you any, Clint, is it? Oh, no. Feels great, Doctor. <laughs> Clint and me look like we're fresh out of the hospital. Him with his arm bandaged and me with a black eye. If I hadn't had my credential papers in order, they never would have let me land at any of the ports. Said I looked like a desperate character. (laughs) (laughs) What is it, Speed? There's someone prowling around in the garden. I could just make out three guys, and I think there are more. Someone in the garden? Would they be your servants, Doc? Why, no. They were in the garden searching for Clint's assailant. But uh, they came in some time ago. You didn't let on you'd seen anything, did you, Speed? No. I pretended to be looking at the window itself. And not out in the garden. Good boy. Now, Doctor, let us act as we normally would under the circumstances. Keep on laughing and talking. Switch off the lights as if you're about to show us to our rooms. We must pretend that we don't know we're being watched. But why? Who can that be in the garden? The octopus gang. Doctor, your house is surrounded. I like that show, man. Ah, all right. I was going to take a second and try to get something to eat here, but the little store isn't open yet, so I'm just going to sit here and do the news, and then uh, I'll do it really fast or something, or maybe I'll do half, go back to speed, and then do the other half or something. Okay. These are the links from Naked Capitalism, June 10th, 2018. Feral peacocks are attacking luxury cars after seeing their their own reflections. <laughs> That's CBS. A triple crown pushes justifies breeding rights fee to record $75 million. Yeah, I guess Saturday, um, the triple crown got one, which been a long time. Anyway, uh, who should create money? Swiss vote promises a revolution. Global Hansel's blot. Uh, Twelve Northern California wildfires sparked by PG&E power lines, investigators say. That's from the old San Francisco Chronicle. For more on PG&E and the 2017 wildfires, see uh, naked capitalism here and here. <laughs> of course. Fiber optic wires, servers, and more than 550,000 uh, miles of underwater cables. Here's what the internet actually looks like, Business Insider. Venezuela's narrowing options, counterpunch. Oh, I'm starving and my voice is killing me. Yeah, I was just... It's really funny. Last night I did like an hour on the air because... Um, uh, the Saturday rental, I usually help, um, uh, you know, if somebody, if they need an engineer or whatever the fuck. And um, what was that? On. Oh, so uh, the performer, one of the performers was going to be late uh, between uh, Mike and his writing partner. So, um, and my throat's been hurting for like a day and a half or whatever the fuck. 
So it was like, um, so we just talked for like an hour, like the first hour we just delayed their, uh, sketches and stuff until this the second hour and it was really nice because um weirdly like the more i talked like it felt like it kind of got better but um that's not happening right now but uh but what was i trying to say oh yeah so like i had this weird like unexpected hour of just steady you know talk talk talking and then i was like oh fuck and that was like at nine yeah, like it, yeah, eight eight o'clock last night because I left here at ten, and then this show here, this show starts at ten a.m. on Sundays. So it's like Jesus Christ, like, like I could have just slept here, <laughs> but I did while I was around. I did clean the bathroom and did a little, you know, this, that, and the other. Anyway, who gives a fuck? No one cares. All right, um, I'm just so hungry. Okay, trade trade tantrum. Uh, yank. <laughs> Jesus, that's why I, I think I just I can't even read straight trump yanks support for g7 state statement tweets trudeau is dishonest <laughs> montreal gazette trade war uh drums is mexico ready to fire at the u.s corn belt oh, they should um that's fucked but we did it to ourselves canadian prime minister opened to compromise on disputed nafta sunset clause hmm. why canadian milk infuriates donald trump from the guardian uh Malaysia, Malaysia's, oh Jesus, Mahathir, yeah, Mahathir, maybe, calls for review of Trans-Pacific Trade Pact, no shit, uh, Japan Times, the West is past, quote unquote West, um, that's from Moon of Alabama, down to Brexit, extraordinary secrecy in White House is crippling Brexit plans from The Guardian, Brexit trade proposals will not be published until after the EU summit. That's BBC, Northern Ireland, Memory or Amnesia, Le Monde Diplomatique or something. <laughs> Syracistan, the left in Syria, from democratic national change to devastation. That's from Verso. China, U.S. China, why Taiwan is back on the agenda. Bad, ro bad dog robot is shocking china's youth out of their loneliness hmm. playing mahjong and betting on horse racing could de decrease dementia risk hong kong excuse me hong kong study finds it's really funny like that actually makes sense to me that the last one about the the as much as i don't i can't stand gambling it really is truly you are you it's mind active you know and it's like an Um, the player and all the participants involved so you know you know and it's a social thing you're out you're with people you know you're forced to make decisions it's really cool you know i get that that makes sense to me it's like it would be like uh you could say the same thing like playing board games uh you know continues to keep your mind sharp or whatever the fuck i don't know obviously i'm not doing any of these things because i'm too stupid to read the fucking headlines today Anyway, let's look. I want to look at this bad dog robot real quick. Oh, it's kind of cute. Let's see. It's a robot. And it looks like... It looks like a stuffed animal. You know, just kind of pudgy and... 
doesn't boy it's cold looking though man <laughs> like its eyes look like the eyes of like death <laughs> like there's no joy the mouth is fucking turned it looks, i guess okay first off it doesn't it looks like a dog kind of like how snoopy kind of looks like a dog really i guess you know like it looks closer to me weirdly to like a panda you know because it's it's white with uh like black accents you know, like the nose is black. That that little mouth. It it looks like um, <laughs> what's that? The flux capacitor from uh from Back to the Future. That's what the mouth looks like. It's just like an upside down Y. But the eyes. It looks like the front of a Tesla. Sort of. Right? This is kind of. It just looks angry. Nothing about it looks sexy or fun. It just looks fucking industrial bad dog is tackling loneliness amongst china's youth in a way china's young in a way that involves small electronic shocks no wonder the damn dog looks crazy the foot tall white plastic robot dog is the brainchild of industrial design graduate student zhang uh uh zingming Zhang oh, Ming. He hopes it uh, will provide good company to a growing number of people living alone in China. And his project is supported by a panel of big name companies. What the fuck? Okay. The first generation of Bad Dog Project, fully auspicious raccoon dog. Yeah, see, that makes more sense. It doesn't look like a fucking dog. Anyway, has an impressive range of features that mix uh, Tamagotchi digital pets and future dystopian fantasy of your choice. It can monitor your life signs, receive deliveries while you're out, mimic all the pros and cons of having a real dog for city living singles. Technode uh, met the beast at the Alibaba-backed um, Yungi 2050 event for youth engagement and innovation. Why does that look so weird? <laughs> they got a mock-up of an owner spending quality time with Fuli from the Bad Dog Project. The 3D printed printed a pseudo canine uh, took Central Academy of Fine Arts student Zhang just 50 days to prototype, and it was friend a couple of days to code with the help from uh, a federation of big businesses. What the fuck? Future Labs show showing you the future before you sleep. <laughs> okay. Orm aims to provide a platform for young people to develop technologies that bring value. Okay. It has some... Uh, it doesn't make any sense, though. What, what does that mean, showing you the future before you sleep? I don't get it. Anyway. Um, but okay, so, so it's like young people, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, so it's like Highway, NetEase, oh, God, PwC is like Price Waterhouse. Cooper or some shit. Ugh. Uh, just one of those socially positive projects that these shitheads siphon money off and donate to and get tax refunds for. Fuck you. Anyway, Zhang explained um, if you need the help for a partner, a uh, particular part of the project, Future Labs can direct you uh, through to someone from a partner. Okay, whatever. Okay. Fully's eyes are sensors and cameras for helping it navigate and interact. His head and face have sensors that can detect the actions of stroking. He sits upright and moves around on wheels uh, with his hands folded. There's little attempt to making him anyway like a real dog. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Less so even than the headless uh, cobo cats with wagging tails. <laughs> it makes you talk 
back to something proactively, says Zhang, who was experienced living alone in China. Look, I lived alone here for a really long time, <laughs> but I I kind of did this thing where I forced myself to like make friends or acquire friends or become a regular at a place where eventually you'll just like be part of the fabric. And like, hey, it's that guy. I never once thought, I never even thought about getting a dog. That's like fucking, that's a lot of money, man. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Unlike real dogs, as far as we know, um, the fully bad dog has an infrared sensor, which he can use to measure his owner's temperature. What? He will take this into account to decide the owner's mood and try to react to that. I don't even know what this means. But if he believes the owner has been sitting or lying around too much, he'll also take the temperature to assess whether the human is being lazy, is ill, or simply died. Zhang says it will be possible for the robot to contact emergency services via the internet. He admitted that the services may not make the device may not take the device seriously. Okay. What the fuck? Okay. If the owner has many has uh, smart entry locks for his or her apartment, the dog can unlock the door via the internet to allow couriers to make deliveries. What? <laughs> According to Zhang, once the parcel is in, the dog can coolly say, "You can go now," <laughs> in a typically distant in its typically distant manner. Oh, it's so weird looking from the back when you see all the little doodads and G-roads fucking making this thing work. The next generation with clear panels. Lonely people like bad people like gamblers and drinkers. What? Zhang told Tech Node to explain the dog's disinterested appearance and manner. Good people have no way of getting through. Okay. Oh, I see what he's saying. Lonely people like bad people. Like gamblers and drinkers. Good people have no way of getting through. I, 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 that's the part I don't get. What does that mean? What, what does that mean? So good. What? Okay, so you're living alone in your apartment in wherever the fuck. Okay? And so... You can't, what, basically what I'm, what I'm reading from this is you can't be both good and lonely or good and alone because if you're good, then you won't be alone because I guess good people, don't they like other good people? What the fuck? Anyway, at the end of a long day of loneliness reduction work, fully the dog trundles back to his bed, which is a wireless charging mat. Ugh, stupid. If the owner mistreats his mistreats his concept canine by ignoring him too much when he wants attention or by not stroking him enough, by swearing at him too much, he's trained to identify curse words, fuck you, or allowing his battery to go flat too many times. What, that means you got to carry that son of a bitch all over to his bed every fucking time? What the fuck is a robot for? What? What? What, what do you mean? Like, I'm assuming that means you took it out of the house weird and then like because remember it's a foot tall so like you're taking this thing out of the house and then you just like let the battery die or whatever you've been playing around with it too much that's it's great so okay let's say i do that too many times he can retail retaliate words will not come out of my mouth today 
His eyes will also become angry red lights if he calculates he has been mistreated. With more serious issues, he will approach his owner and deliver a static electric shock. Fuck you. What? What? Zhang is considering whether allowing the battery to go flat too many times result in the dog's death and whether that should be irreversible to encourage the owner to have more positive interactions. This is creepy shit. What am I looking at here? Okay. <laughs> the first generation has a small number of sensors that detect stroking by the owner, but Zhang is already working on the second generation. We'll have a larger array to determine just how affectionate the owner is. Meantime, he's looking for investors to bring the device to market which is a fuck of course that thing Ooh. jesus all right i'm gonna finish reading it who gives a fuck uh we have clear panels on the back remember what i said earlier so you can see the electronics inside it's to mimic the effect of glass storage areas on a spacecraft to look uh more high tech to make people think it's a space dog if people think it's just a toy from a factory in Shenzhen or Southeast Asia, they won't pay it any attention. Yes, they will. <laughs> and its target market is growing in China. It's been developed to help the number of people growing f alone feel less alone. I, what the fuck? There are more ways than ever to communicate, but there is no need for anyone to proactively get in touch. I don't get it. This is this guy running with his fucking dog again. Fucking thing is big. It's way bigger than like, cause like when you like you have to see it from a bunch of different angles. Cause like the first time you see it, it's like I said, it's like a foot tall. It's like the size of a water bottle and shit. But then there's these other mock-ups where the son of a bitch is standing, like he's sitting on the couch, and this thing is like up to the, uh, like the top of the couch back i guess you know something like that it's weird but i don't know <laughs> whether zhang finds the funding to take his second generation bad dog in a mass produ production remains to be seen but as an attempt to use technology in a non-patronizing way to make help people feel a little more alive even the prototype is getting people talking at uni 2050 Stupid, stupid, stupid people. Okay, that is really fucking dumb. I, you know, I had to read it though. It was killing me. Oh yeah, that's crazy. All right, uh, Papa people. North Korea. Um, Kim Jong Un, due to arrive in Singapore on Sunday afternoon, as city, state city ramps up security. Whatever. So fuck. Uh, new Cold War, the giant timeline of everything Russia, Trump, and the investigations, PBS, okay. Uh, Trump's policies paying off for a man who helped make him president, Vladimir Putin, HuffPo. Jesus, guys. Oh, that's from, this is from the New Cold War headline, of course. The United States, quote, the United States had been working on an agreement with the European nations, the transatlantic trade uh, investment partnership, but that was a that effort was abandoned after Trump won the pres presidency. <laughs> Good. Great. Uh, Putin's uh, 2018 marathon call-in show boiled down to two paragraphs. Yeah, but probably didn't even take that long. Probably took two sentences. <laughs> I am your king. I will work for you. <laughs> and like, no. <laughs> Three sentences if you count no as a sentence. Um, 
Okay, let's get back to the speed, Gibson. I'm going to see if that goddamn store is open because I'm really hungry. And uh, there we go. That's it. Gibson of the International Secret Police. previous episode, Speed Gibson, Clint Barlow, and Barney Dunlap of the International Secret Police arrived in Hong Kong, China, hot on the trail of their quarry, the octopus. While at dinner that evening with Dr. Kingsley, father of little Jean, Clint had planned to ask his aid in deciphering the map Marsha Winfield's brother sent her just before his mysterious disappearance, the map describing the octopus headquarters. But Clint does not quite trust another guest, Mr. Wu, high in diplomatic circles who, unknown to anyone is a member of the Octopus Gang. Later that night, a knife is hurled through the window, barely missing Clint's heart. Mr. Wu leaves as the doctor is dressing Barlow's wound and lets the octopus know that the knife attack has failed. Accordingly, the criminal sends more assassins to ambush the doctor's home, and as they enter the Kingsley Gardens, Speed happens to see them from the window. Clint warns everyone to act normally, and the lights are turned off, as if the doctor were going to show the boys to their rooms for the night. Now, with the lights out, we can safely look out into the garden without the octopus men seeing us. See, Clint? There are two of them over by that willow tree. You can just make them out. Good heavens, Clint. Isn't there some way to ward off this this ambush? Of course, it, it isn't that I'm afraid. I'm thinking of Jean, Miss Winfield. Yes, yes, I know, Dr. Kingsley. Yeah, if it wasn't for them, we could maybe rush that gang of rats and take them alive and kick them. No, no, no need for such tactics, Barney. Where's your telephone, Doctor? It's by the Chinese gong. Can you see enough to get over there? Yes, I have a good reason to remember that spot. Oh, Speed, you and Barney stay here by the window and let me know what's happening out there. But don't let them see you. Okay, Clint. They won't see a whisker. Hey, uh, what can I do, Clint? Now go upstairs, Doctor, to our rooms and switch on the light, as if you were making us comfortable. Uh, they can't see into the room from the garden, can they? No, not at all. Uh, good. Now, that light will attract their attention from this room, too. They'll be less secretive in their movements. Will you go upstairs now while I put in a call for the police? We'll keep watch from this window, Clint. And hurry with that phone call, fella. Uh, don't you think that I should rouse the servants too, Clint? No, no, don't do that. That would just cause more confusion. They'd be of little use against such men as those in the garden. We might be able to hold them off, but with Jean and Marcia in the house, I, I'd rather not take any chances. Well, the police will take care of them. But we'll just keep our guns handy in case some... Well, we come to a showdown. Oh, Here's the phone. Huh? Oh, listen. I'll turn on those lights, and I'll hurry right back. Hey, two more men just came into the garden, Clint. You okay, Speed? Hello? Uh, get me the Hong Kong police. Yes. Have they come any closer to the house yet, Speed? No. I think they're waiting for everyone to get into the garden. I must have spotted them just as they began to come in. And they're still hiding behind the bushes and trees. Kid... You got eyes like an owl. 
If you hadn't lamped them guys in the beginning and showed me where to look, I'd never see them. Hello, Hong Kong police. I'll send a detail of men to Dr. Kingsley's residence immediately. Yes, it's 14 Lang Su Road. That's right. And have them come quietly and well armed. Yes, there's several prowlers out in the garden. You come right away? That's fine. Wonder how far away we are from the police station. It's only about five minutes from here. I saw it on the way coming up. But what gets me is, how did the octopus know we were staying here? Yes, that's just what I'd like to know, too. But right now, we can't do anything but wait for the police and watch. Wait and watch. Watch, we've been watching and waiting for ten minutes, and nothing's happened yet. Except those guys are beginning to close in. Oh, why don't the police arrive? Well, they'll get here all right, Doctor. We'll keep our guns handy just in case. Look, fellas, isn't there something moving over by the wall? Kid, you've got eyes like an owl. I don't see a thing. Oh, yes. Yes, I do. And I think it's the police. The octopus gang don't see him yet. They're watching the house too close. Gee, this is like watching a play, isn't it? Yeah. And it's all right so long as we don't have to take part in it. I George, the police are surrounding them. The only way they can escape is by coming through this house, and we can stop that. By shooting? No. By leaving the lower floor of the house in absolute darkness. They'll be afraid of an ambush when the fireworks start and try to fight their way through the police lines. Hey, it's starting now. They've spotted the police. Too late. They've got him surrounded. Oh, they're starting to run this way. No. No, they're stopping, like you said, Barlow. They're going to try and fight their way out. Hey, everybody. Everybody keep down. Just in case a stray bullet comes up here. Can't we go out and help the police, Clint? No, no, Speed. We have bigger fish to catch. Can't risk injury from the small fry. Yeah, especially you with a knife wound in your arm already. Ain't that enough for one night, Speed? Oh, I didn't mean for Clint to go, Barney. But you and me... No, thanks. I have to take plenty of chances, so I'm not going out of my way looking for him. Nothing like sitting in a nice, comfortable house, says I. Oh, look. Look, they've captured the intruders. Every one of them. Daddy, Daddy, what's all the noise about? Gene, I'll open the door. Uh, switch on the light, Speed. It's safe now. Okay. Yes, yes, Jean, honey. Everything's all right we heard now. shooting. Some friends of the octopus was planning a surprise party for us, Marsha. But we surprised them first by calling the police. Well, thank heaven none of you were hurt. How is your arm, Clint? Well, to tell the truth, I, I forgot all about it in the excitement, Marsha. I'll tell you, I'll not tolerate this. The octopus must be captured. That's exactly what we're here for, Doc. But we got a lot to do before we can capture that guy. Yeah. And first thing to do was to go and talk to the police and the fellas they've captured. Maybe we can learn something from them. Uh, I doubt it, Speed. You know how close Ma they are from past experience. Except in Splinters, huh? He was the only one who was going to talk, and then they stopped him. Uh, we'll see the police anyhow, and as long as they're here, they can escort us to our hotel. Well, we won't prevail on your hospitality any longer, Dr. Kingsley. Why, you're only too welcome, Barlow. Well, I know, but our presence seems to attract unpleasant attention, so... I believe it would be better for your household if we return to our hotel. We want to be out the first thing in the morning anyhow. And we'll tell the chief of police to keep a guard here for the rest of the night, just in case anything else should happen, well, Doc. I'll be very grateful. Will we see you tomorrow, Speed? I don't know, Gene. Depends on what Clint wants to do. Mm. Oh, <laughs> you bet we'll see you, Gene. 
I'll tell you what. After our business in the morning, uh, how would you and Marcia and your father all like to explore Hong Kong, huh? Going to some of the bazaars? Oh, I'd love it. Can we, Daddy? <laughs> well, I, I don't know why not. It's a date, then. Now, for our midnight callers and then to sweet repose in our hotel. I hope... since we left Alameda. <laughs> well, that's what you get for being in the international secret police, my boy. I'll put on the light. Hey, what's going on in here? A cyclone? Our room's been ransacked. Hmm? Why, yes, it has. The octopus isn't overlooking any bets. Come on, let's see what's missing. Can't be anything really important, because we have the key to the secret police code and Miss Marsh's map copy with us. Haven't spotted anything yet, but they sure messed things up. Look at my shirt. <laughs> well, don't worry, Barty. You know what the Chinese laundries can do to a shirt in America? And we're actually in China now. You're telling me? Looks like they gave them a rough dry. Oh, see, look. Look, here's something on the floor. What is it, Clint? It's a small piece of green stone. I believe it's jade. Looks like the stone from a ring, don't it? Uh-huh. Say, does this look familiar to you? No. It's carved, isn't it? Yes, it's a good piece of jade, and I've seen it, or something exactly like it before. Where? I don't know, but I'll remember eventually. Well, what then, Clint? Well, then we'll have definite proof that whoever lost this is in the band of the octopus. We know that already. Else he wouldn't have ransacked our room. Yes, but we've talked to this person very recently. Suffering wang doodles. Maybe we've talked to the octopus himself. Yeah, I doubt that, but to someone very close to him. Someone who is high in society, who is received everywhere. Someone who is more dangerous than all of the thugs and strong-arm men of the gang. I'll feel a lot better when we can talk to our Hong Kong operator and... Oh, the... Easy, easy, speed. Now, no details. Uh-huh. What's wrong, Clint? These walls may have ears. You know, ever since we came in here, I've been feeling eyes on me. We'd better... You mean whoever came here while we were at the doctor's might still be here? Why not? No, no, Bonnie. They'd have slugged as we came in if they'd stayed. I don't know about that. Look, 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 that closet door's open. It is. Stand to one side. I got him covered. Come out, whoever you are, before I blow you out. The door's open and more. Come out, I say. If you know what's good for you. <laughs> it's a cat. Kitty, kitty, kitty. <laughs> Oh, nice kitty. I'm scared. Well, I don't wonder. Oh, come out. Come out before I blow you out. Oh, I'm going to bed. You guys think it's so funny? Sit up and laugh all night. But you'll be sorry if that cat turns out to be working for the octopus. <laughs>
Awesome. A little preview for fucking next time. Marsha gets kidnapped. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, funny. I got to pause it. Okay. Now, back to the news. That was nice. They were open. Got some, like, mixed nuts and a Coca-Cola and figured, all right, shit, that, that might get me through the goddamn show. All right. What's an hour left? Not even that. Okay. Uh, Trump transition. That's really funny to me that they still call the Trump transition. He's like a year and some in now. That's fucked up. All right. Um, uncovering the new administration's drone war policy. Okay. Strange bedfellows. Trump backs Warren's pot banking bill. American banker. <laughs> Is that supposed to owning sessions? <laughs> Carson backs off plan to triple rents for poorest households. <laughs> oh, like, is okay. I'm just, he's like one of the worst types of people. He's like, I always just consider him, he's like the black cop. Like, fuck that dude. <laughs> it's like, little self hating ass nigga, hating ass nigga you ever want to meet in your life. You're like, fuck this asshole. <laughs> I don't give a fuck if he's good with surgery. I know he ain't shit with black people. <laughs> right? Or poor people. Or, you know, or just kind of any sort of basic intelligence. He's a perfect example of a guy where, you know, he's like, I guess, supposed to be like a top of his field. And you can just be dumb as a box of rocks on like just the rest of the world. You know, it's like, it's really kind of surprising how that works sometimes. Anyway. Okay, sometimes, often. There you go. Democrats in disarray. Oh, shit. Uh, turning affluent suburbs blue isn't worth the cost. New York Times. No shit. Uh, Democrats must reject Howard Schultz and his radical centrist ideology. Yeah, probably. Uh, New York Magazine. Uh, the U.S. government is not like a household or a business. Although plenty of businesses recognize the benefits of debt finance investment. Because it can print its own fucking currency. <laughs> MMT is gradually, oh, your mainstream thought, is um, gradually becoming conventional uh, wisdom. Oh, MMT. I don't know what the fuck I mean. But who added that parenthetical? <laughs> oh, and I, and I, I do that fucking part in. <laughs> um, beware the Democrats and their good billionaires. No shit. Tooth dig. Chuck Schumer is the exact opposite of what Democrats need from the week. No shit. Joe Crowley complains his primary opponent, Alexandria Acosta-Cortez, is making this race about race. That's from The Intercept. It's funny. I love that shit when white guys be like, look, man, white. They used to, when I was coming up, they'd, be, they'd call it like, and that shit was new in the 90s. That's that O.J. Simpson shit. Uh, what you gonna play, the race card? That shit was straight up from, like, the L.A. riots and all that shit. That particular phrase, the race card. Well, shit, man. It's like it's like saying, like, pulling a Trump card or something. Like, well, I guess I just can't say nothing about that. Or well, It's one of the stupidest fucking most lame things you'll ever hear in your life. Anyway, well, I'll ever hear in my life. I hope. <laughs> right? <laughs> I hope to live a, a while. And I hope that, you know, you know, God... That's just so stupid. Okay, um, Bernie Sanders is to deliver a common sense plan to save the postal service. I bet it has something to do with banking. 
How good is the Trump economy really? Well, can it be any fucking different than the dead damn Obama one, which is shit? So, you know, a lot of lot of low paying service jobs. Uh that's about it. <laughs> right? Unless you like an engineer or like, you know, you're like degreed up and can just do a thing. A regular person is fucked. Because even like all the malls have been closing and shit because of Amazon and people's natural tendency to be lazy, you know, it's weird. Anyway, whatever. That's the life, really. Guillotine watch. Oh, it's one of my favorite sections of the paper. She has, she absolutely has psychopathic tendencies. Um, Elizabeth Holmes somehow is trying to start a new company, <laughs> Vanity Fair. I actually read that article and it's really kind of funny. And it's actually a podcast. Vanity Fair has a podcast called in, 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 Inside the Hive or something. And it's pretty decent. But um, it's really funny. It's about the new book, like Bad Blood, about Elizabeth Holmes and like Theranos, which is just a complete vaporware. <laughs> it's like. It, it was never did anything, never made anything. All of her projections were bullshit over projections. It never, it never could do the thing it said it could do, even like on accident. She, I remember when she fired her like chief executive officer for finding out that her tests were horseshit. You know, <laughs> like chief financial officer, you gotta go, B. We in this for the game. And here's the fun. Yeah, and she is trying to start a new business. And this is another weird thing about Silicon Valley, right? Because Theranos is basically what we call like biotech. They kind of give her a pass. And then she could probably just go and get new money. Like if she wanted to come up with an app that could do some non-biowares. You know what I mean? Like she could. It's really stupid how that works. <laughs> the rich are planning to leave this wretched planet, New York Times. <laughs> You know, it's really goofy because I read that article, too. I guess I had a little time when I got here earlier. But um, it's just about, like, space tourism. I hate headlines like that. You know, it's not like they're planning on going to Mars. No, they plan on spending $55 million and getting hoisted up into, like, 250 miles above orbit. That's about it. With, instead of those, I like in the article, they're like, well, you know, like, it's the ultimate in glamping, right? So gross. <laughs> you know, a lot of that 55 mil is just that fuel cost, getting your ass up there. <laughs> All right. I must be doing something right. Billionaire George Soros faces renewed attacks with defiance. Washington Post. Partisan divide on um, on benefit of having rich people expands. It's a Gallup poll. Overall, 58% of all Americans agree that having a rich class is a benefit. I'd love to ask to, to who exactly besides that rich class, but okay. And that's the other kind of jobs, right? It's like pampering the high-end fuckers. They can go fuck themselves. Why don't they fucking get out of here and do it? Because oh, you're so stupid. Okay. Anyway. Oh, and you know what I think shredded my fucking voice, too? I forget. Okay. So Wednesday, I had this show. Friday, 
Well, yeah, Wednesday was the beginning of like a new show that I do on. Um, it's really cool. And I'm gonna forget the name because I'm stupid. But it's if you look at the schedule, it's like it's Wednesdays from ten to midnight. Oof, and um, it's super fun. It's like it's a interview show where we'll have like a musical guest come in. We interview the guest. Uh, we play some of their music. You know, we chit chat kind of about what life's kind of going on and everything. And you know, you know, of course, you know what influenced you. This you know traditional kind of interview stuff. And then you know, kind of let it's a kind of a free free flowing conversation. So you know, we'll be talking about kind of anything as as we go along. And uh, I got a really great crew of people. I got um, Matthew Quirk, who is an amazing local comic. He's really really funny. He's um just really 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 great. Um, really smart. Uh, he's a little older than I am. Um, probably like maybe 10 years older than I am or something, but like, uh, true Gen Xer, you know, he's like my brother's age or something. I think, nah, maybe, maybe a little younger than my brothers, but you know, like that. So it's easy for me to, you know, I can easily talk to him. And then, uh, the other guy, <laughs> I always forget his name is the host. And it's, he's, he's this cool brother. And, uh, he used to be on third axis radio and uh they just you know they got a lot of big ass personalities in that crew you know and uh he felt like he wasn't being respected or whatever and i said well shit man you know i like all you dudes but if you want some help doing this and you're ready to put the nut up for it i will certainly engineer and skip you all that training steps and bullshit and we can just get in there you want to do it next wednesday we'll do it and that's kind of what we did and uh this is oh and there's this really cool lady um god i just well, i just met the lady uh, on the at the show so that was really interesting and she's very nice and very fun um the first guest we had on was vera soul vera soul yeah and uh they're really cool this really uh just positive young sister oh no she's like it's all kinds of stuff. she's like like she's like taiwanese filipino like latino like she's like i'm sorry just said oh you so you're an american like you know but she's really into her roots and stuff and like i i really it's really cool positive young just person it's cool i'm into shit like that so uh yeah that, so you know we did that on wednesday then on uh friday i always do my two hour uh do the open mic uh booth stuff but then uh we were running short on time so i went and did me a quick five minute set and uh, that was nice. So if you listen to uh, last week, like I said, today is the tenth. Uh, so whatever it would be, like the uh, whatever. I'm not thinking about it. It's not my fucking problem. Like two days ago or whatever. That show. If you want to hear me do stand up live, I'm at the end of that, and it's actually a really fun show. There's a lot of good acts on that one. Um, and then uh, then yesterday I had that unexpected hour of bullshitting. Oh, and then like that night before. My uh, my sister, but one of my great great friends, uh, Sarah T Bird Viterval, and I had a nice long like four hour conversation or whatever, just about everything, just bullshitting, like uh, yeah, really cool. I always enjoy that, but I guess I'd forgotten about that goddamn thing, and like so I like sat on my voice for like a half most of the day, you know, and then Saturday she wanted to talk last night too. I was like, man. I just got off the radio for an hour. My throat's kind of shredded, and there's no way. Like, ugh. like it was late, Like, right? Because I got out of here at 10, so it was like, man, come on. 
I'm like, I'm already going to be up for like an hour or two or whatever. So I was like, man. And, and then so whatever I was going to do, because it's all on my phone, would have to be tacked back however long until she, you know, until our conversation's over. Man, that could last for what? Like I just said, we had a four-hour conversation like two days before. We could be talking for like, I don't know, let's say we talk for like two hours or an hour. So now I'm up for three hours. Now it's like one thirty, two o'clock, which is basically when I went to sleep any fucking way. But that was all just extended on shit that I wanted to do by myself. So, you know, I was like, yeah, that's just not happening, man. So I, you know, we chatted back and forth, just texted and shit. But yeah, I was like, why is my voice so funky? That's why. And because I don't use it a lot in normal life. So if I'm not using it a lot, you know, it's some snooze, you lose shit. So like if the only time it's in effect is when I'm like effectively doing stuff like this or whatever oh boy you know just boy yikes but um but yeah yeah so so then i did that and then yesterday i did the like i said i did the hour which is fun i i always have a good time talking with mike spiegelman he's the coolest and then um and then i just knew i'd have to be back here today so boy oh boy a lot of talking for me this week in fact I'm considering coming in on tomorrow to do the joke workshop just because like I I I like getting on stage and doing that shit and I'm I haven't been doing it with the regularity that I kind of used to and I really would like to do it more so you know one of those things yeah, whatever <laughs> enough about me I guess um oh yeah class warfare Bargaining with the algorithm <laughs> from Jacobin has got to be funny. As rich children slim down, poor ones are getting fatter. The Economist, of course. Like, the idea that that even needs to be a headline is stupid, right? Everybody's known that shit. Because poor people's food is always the worst fucking food. <laughs> That's it. It's mass produced to be cheap. And it's cheap. What's What's the fucking... What's the mystery? You know, like the, the idea that that needs a headline. People with more money can eat better and fucking have more free time and I can exercise more. Right? What the fuck? Anyway. Millennials and retirement. How bad is it? I can imagine. Politico. A, predict- a predictably unedifying boomer versus millennial hate fest ensues online. I'm, sure, I'm assuming they're talking about the comment section. Fuck you, man. <laughs> that's really, that's always really kind of interesting. The idea when people like, like they'll be like, fuck baby boomers. They fucked us. No, they didn't. A few did, and were paying for it. <laughs> you know, it's not like they all suck, right? Just like eighty percent or something. <laughs> I always just think back to my high school class. I'm sure I've said this on here before, probably more than once, but I'll never forget. Like when I was heading towards graduating high school, like you know, like that final semester or whatever i remember consciously looking around because by that point i'd been working in record stores for like two years 
And um, I'm just looking at these motherfuckers, man. And in my mind, I'm just going, I would never say I'm better than any of you. But I'm, 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 but none of you take any kind of parts of life, and you shouldn't, because you're fucking seventeen, eighteen. You shouldn't. But with like any degree of seriousness, really, like that's that like eighty twenty split type shit, you know? Where it's like eighty percent of these people in this school are just not fucked up but they're just like these regular ass people like they'll work in a bank or they'll you know just fucking fix your tires or whatever the fuck and that's the problem when i looked at them like that's the problem because you have this big husk of just fucking people that just follow whatever's on the goddamn news and just get along to go go along and getting along and all that bullshit and like it's <laughs> that's your problem that's when you hear people say well baby boomers suck well that's written by people who are were in that fucking 20 percent or whatever the fuck of other people to begin with you know people could see the flaws and the ideologies around them and being like this something's wrong here even if they couldn't pinpoint what it was at the time you know it's just like that feel you know that's the one cool thing about musicians they always give them shit but one thing that's neat about musicians is that, like, one of the reasons they're bad writers generally, but, but, um, not rap artists, but like rock and roll or some shit, you know, or lazy, lazy writers or something. But, um, it's because it's more about, like, like just the general feeling of, like, your surroundings and your air and what's going on around you rather than having to articulate it in words. You know, that's that's the neat part about music to me is just to be able to like I love when I used to love being in a band was like, you know, taking an idea that you feel in your body and trying to articulate that through sound. That was that's to me, that's the whole fucking point. If not, what are we doing this for? Anyway, you know, <laughs> and I always get shaken in my head when I when I say something stupid like that. <laughs> she was shaking, wrapped oh, oh, oh. <laughs> in a finger. Oh, oh. I got the good voice for it today. <laughs> she was moving round and round, <laughs> shaking. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I should hate everything about that song, and I love it. Anyway, um, oh, you got bright outside. It's nice. Um, it's really gorgeous out here today, by the way, in the wonderful Mission District down here at Mutiny Radio FM. All right, um, UK to force companies justify pay gap between CEOs and staff. That's from the Financial Times. <laughs> User friendly. R O F L F L. The Tories are so much further left than the Democrats. How fucked up is that? <laughs> balancing in uh, balancing the benefit and the burden of wealth. New York Times, 
Not seeing a suicide spike among the 1%. (laughs) Oddly or not. (laughs) Oh, God. Delta's new uniforms are giving flight attendants, some flight attendants, rashes. Business Insider. Not for the first time. Dot, dot, dot. The critic who's, oh, this is actually neat. The critic whose Olive Garden review went viral. I remember when that happened. Remembers how Anthony Bourdain spoke up for her. That's the news, baby. All right. Um, fuck it. You know what? Let's listen to some ambient sound for a second. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I come to speak with you again. Yeah, man. That's what we'll do. That song is so awful. <laughs> Take me home tonight. Boy, that song stinks. Okay.
Every time I look at Eddie Money, I just remember a fucking friend I used to have that looked just like him. <laughs> Not that it's a diss. He's just got that weird lip. Anyway, um, I'd just like to read, because I hadn't, I hadn't heard, thought about this lady in so long. It was a really cool fucking story. Okay, so in 2012, uh, then 88-year-old Marilyn Haggerty of Grand Forks, South Dakota, wrote argue, were arguably, arguably the most viral restaurant review ever written. It was for Olive Garden. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it kind of goes like this. Like, after a lengthy wait for Olive Garden to open in Grand Forks, the lines are long in February. The novelty is slowly wearing off, but the steady following attests uh, the warm welcome. My first visit to Olive, Gordon, Olive Garden was during mid-afternoon, so I could be sure to get in. After a late breakfast, I figured a late lunch would be fashionable. The place is impressive. It's fashioned in Tuscan farmhouse style with a welcoming entry entryway. There's seating for those who are waiting. My booth was near the kitchen, and I watched the waiters in white shirts, ties, black trousers. Right? Solid fucking review of a restaurant. There should be no reason to fuck with this lady, right? But give it to the internet. They just fucking took it over their ass. Okay, so I'm just reading. I'm going to read excerpts from this article, sort of. It's from BuzzFeed, actually, weirdly enough. But uh, Haggerty, a food columnist for the local Grand Forks Herald, dubbed it the largest and most beautiful restaurant now open, operating in Grand Forks, which I bet. The Chicken Alfredo, 1095, uh, was warm and comforting on a cold day. The portion was generous. My server was ready with Parmesan cheese, she wrote. <laughs> it was an instant viral sensation with tons of people cracking sarcastic jokes about the octogenarian's earnest review. It even got a write-up on Gawker. Despite the roasting, the review found at least one big fan, Anthony Bourdain. Okay, and here you go. Bourdain defended Haggerty, uh, celebrating her triumph over the snarkologist with the, when the review went viral. Marilyn Haggerty's years of reviews, uh, years of reviews to be a history of dining in America too few of us from the coast have seen. We need to see, he tweeted. As a result of her online fame, Haggerty wound up, wound up flying to New York to do the media rounds, including a hot dog review for the New York Times. While there, she and Bourdain met for coffee, and uh, she uh, wound up getting a book deal because of it. The following year, Haggerty put, published a book of her reviews, Bourdain edited it, and even wrote the foreword. It's called Grand Forks, A History of American Dining in 100 Reviews, Marilyn Haggerty. And in fact, it's under his goddamn imprint. It's like it's an Anthony Bourdain book, you know, club book type thing. In the forward, Bourdain praised Haggerty as a hardworking, quick-witted food writer with deep knowledge of her community. She's never, quote, she is never mean. Even when circumstances would clearly excuse a sharp elbow, a cruel remark, he wrote. In fact, watching Marilyn struggle to find something nice to say about a place she clearly loves is part of the fun. She is, unfailingly, a good neighbor and good citizen first. An entertainer, an entertainer second. Bourdain added that the book kills Snark dead. This is a straightforward account of what people are eating, have been eating, are still eating, still are eating, geez, in much of America, he wrote. As related by a kind, good-hearted reporter looking, looking to pass along as much useful information as she can while hurting no one. In an interview with uh, BuzzFeed News on Friday, Hagerty remembered how Bourdain celebrated her work rather than mock her for it. She said she heard about Bourdain's death Friday morning when her son sent her an article about it. She called it sad, shocking news. Yeah, Anthony Bourdain died this week. He killed himself. You know, um, Bourdain spoke up for me at a time when people all over the country were making great fun of the column I write, Hagerty told BuzzFeed News. 
have a man of his stature rise up and befriend me, it meant a lot to me. Bernani also laughed when he first read the review, but dropped the snark when he realized how her columns represented her community, she said. He told me he felt the same way when he first read it, but he changed his way of thinking. He decided I was writing about food in America and the way people eat in the middle of the country. Their Their coffee meeting in New York was the only time they ever met, and Hagerty says she still thinks about it fondly. You know, sometimes you go through life and you think about the wonderful things that happened to you. And one of the wonderful things that happened to me was when Anthony Bourdain spoke up for me and wanted to publish, publish my columns in a book. How beautiful. Isn't that a great fucking story? Like, fuck you, world, man. Sometimes, like, the good guys sort of win. That was sad, though. Uh, yeah, it's been a crazy suicide time, like, lately, right? Like, uh, the fashion designer... Katie Spade hung herself. Anthony Bourdain hung himself in in Paris. Oh, Hagerty left like her son a note. Like this is even weirder. Like her husband was like in the other room when she did it. Like what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. For some reason, in my mind, when I think of like a person that's gonna kill themselves, they they wait till everybody's gone type shit. You know, I guess like maybe to. Make sure, like, whatever has to do, do can be completed without interruption, you know? But then, like, yeah, he was there. I, I, didn't, I don't even think he heard it. You know, she just kind of did it, and then he walked in, like, two hours later, like, what the fuck? Right? Crazy. Uh, Bourdain, he goes down to, um, he goes down to uh, Paris. He, this guy had plans on, like, eating lunch with a, one of his famous friends oldest friends like french friends like the following we sat like yesterday didn't do it man hung himself crazy to me man and then even weirder what's another weird one yeah and he was dating asia argento too which is wild but she's kind of wild you know some people just have a real fucked up weird streaking people you know anyway those are gentles boy but um the other one that caught my eye like a little while before, it was like maybe a couple of weeks before, or whatever. But a former Playboy center, like a uh, Playmate of the Year or some shit, jumped off of some fucking building with her seven year old son. <laughs> like 18 stories or some shit to their death. Like, what the fuck, man? That's the one that kills me. That's so weird. But yeah, man, I used to be a big fan of Anthony Bourdain. Like, you know, I've never stopped being a fan. I guess I just stopped watching television as, you know, basically. And through that, I just stopped um, not following him. But, you know, I just stopped paying attention. And, you know, it's always a cool, like, rock on tour fucking. It's a cool dude. And um, it's really like. It it was truly surprising to me. Okay. That's a weird one, too. Okay. <laughs> the other just weird macabre story I was reading this week. This fucking guy. Um, this guy. This guy's like a... I hate this word. A, a scion. Okay. He's this real shitty kind of douchebaggy kind of guy. But Blake Libel is fucked up 
<laughs> if you ever get a chance, go take a look at some Blake Libel shit. He's a comic book artist. You can get one of his books. He ends up doing one of the most gruesome murders in in like Hollywood history. In fact, I told this story on stage. That's one of the things I told on uh on uh Friday. <clears throat> yeah, Friday night. This guy <laughs> first off, he's like he beautiful woman, of course. He's in Hollywood. They're staying at a hotel, not even a hotel, like in her house or whatever the fuck. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Don't get bogged down on details, man. Let's get to the point. They, This lady has a child like two months before, three months before or something, right? See, like to really tell this fucking thing, I'd really have to sort of tell the whole fucking thing. Because it's sort of weird. There's, like, these relationships and, like, it's no backstabbing or anything. He's just a rich fuck who, like, was, like, ignored by his mother or, no, his father. And, like, is just truly sadistic. And, basically, like, he was married to one woman for a few years and they split up. And then he was, like, with this really crazy girl for, like, some sort of time. And, like, she's all fucking weird. There's a really great article. I'll tell you where to find it. In the Hollywood Reporter. It's called Murder, Mayhem, and Torture Off the Sunset Strip. The Tragic Story of the Budding Director and His Dead Girlfriend. Okay. Therefore. All right. So this douchebag. He takes her into this place. I can't, uh, I can't even imagine the horror of this situation. Because he had already written a comic book that basically displays this but he just went on trial this week that's the only reason i'm even bringing this up because he's his trials started in earnest this week but um he like scalped bit tore off an ear like in the like bled her out that so that there was like a teaspoon of blood left now if you know anything about bleeding out when you die, you don't bleed out. So she was alive long enough to like have nothing but like a teaspoon of blood in her. There's like five gallons of blood in the body or some shit. He was fucking with her so long. He when he got arrested, he he had bite wounds and scratches and shit because this woman was fighting for her life. I can't imagine the sheer hell and horror that that fucking woman went through in the last. Oh, I don't know. It must have taken a long fucking time. <clears throat> Three hours of her life? Ugh. I barely want to sit here for two hours sometimes. I can imagine having to actually be fucking literally tortured forever. It must have just felt like forever. Like, death must have been the fucking sweetest release. Like, in the corners, like, I've never seen anything like this. The only thing I've seen like this once was, like, a dog attack. You know? It's so wild, man. But yeah. Yeah, five liters, not five gallons. You're just stupid. Yeah. Yeah. The average human vessel came, contains about five liters of blood. She was found with less than a teaspoon. What the fuck? A teaspoon. Not even a tablespoon. Right? <laughs> Shit. Don't get it twisted. Don't think you got like full size spoon action. You know, like a little ass teaspoon. Like you. <laughs> Like, 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 would you make a child eat cereal with? <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs>
you know, a regular ass, <laughs> put the <laughs> sugar in the coffee type spoon, you know, <laughs> that's not a lot of nothing, couldn't imagine, by the way, her name is actually Laza Kazian. She's 30, Ukrainian, dark eyes, jet black hair, bite marks on her face, defensive wounds on her arms and wrists. But most of the blood loss had occurred, Rab saw, because she had been scalped. <laughs> I, I've never seen this before. This is the, um, the uh, pathologist, forensic pathologist. I've never seen this before. I don't any forensic pathologist in this country or abroad has ever seen this outside of perhaps wartime. The last, oh, this is interesting though. The last reported scalping in the U.S. occurred in 2000 when a Cincinnati man shot his wife's lover repeatedly in the chest and groin with a shotgun, then removed the victim's scalp to drive the point home. I think I remember hearing about that one. <laughs> you don't quickly forget. Oh, my man went off. <laughs> my man went off <laughs> yeah but case and scalping didn't appear incidental or an act of impetuous post-murder vengeance it was a clean incision seemingly with a blade with curved around the base of her skull and a sharp line and back up around one ear Ripe testified that the skin and hair had been carefully removed from the skull down to the surface of the bone and a portion of her face including her right ear, was gone. <laughs> like a fucking horror movie, man. And then when you see a picture of this fucking asshole, and then you see a picture of Kaizen, you're like, this guy should be buried under the fucking jail. <laughs> His brother's a douchebag. He's a douchebag. They're like these super rich fucking Canadian Hollywood partier fucking guys. His brother was like a whale in those dumb fucking Molly's game type high stakes underground poker. You know, you play with like, uh, uh, didn't, what's his name? DiCaprio and fucking, you know, whoever fuck wants to gamble and all that bullshit. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. There was blood throughout the condo. Police entered a bedroom and found Kaizen on a bed, mutilated, covered with a blanket. A Mickey Mouse blanket, by the way. Standing beside her listless and showing of little concern was her boyfriend and father of her three-week-old girl, a minor Hollywood director and graphic novelist named Blake Libel. He acted surprised when the police confirmed that Kaizen was dead. Well then, I guess you're going to have to find out who did it. <laughs> He's 36. He's like, well... Well, right now he's two years younger than me. Hey, but I only got one more day. Hey, it's my birthday. Anyway, isn't that crazed? What a psycho, man. Like, you know, but what's great about what I really love about the Hollywood Reporter, man, and I will always talk these motherfuckers up. It's a really good, they do, I think, I think one of the reasons why they do such good journalism is because they're in Hollywood and like, they kind of can't get the fucking story wrong because they're surrounded by lawyers, you know, who are just waiting to pounce at any kind of, you know, speculative or bullshit or anything. I could totally see them being like, yeah, no, we got to nail this down. And then like, so like they'll interview just all these different people and try to get all these different sides of the fucking story. It's really good.
It's really good. Oh, God, yeah. The words Trumpy and excess gets thrown around a lot these days, but in the gilded upbringing of Blake Libel, remember when he's a fucking <laughs> spoiled rotten? There you go. The description fits. Blake and his brother Cody, a douchebag, older by a year, grew up in a privilege, grew up privileged in a world where vast sums of money flowed alongside the undercurrent of CD entertainment. Their father, Lorne, was a former Olympian sailboat runner. Ugh. <laughs> the grossest fucking sentence you've ever heard. Turned flamboyant billionaire real estate developer who built tens of thousands of suburban homes across Canada. One person who knew Lorne described him as the best playboy of all playboys. He had the fleetest Ferraris and the liable estate spanned 300 acres in Toronto's exclusive Forest Hill neighborhood. Still scandaled Marty's achievements. In 1976, he became the first Canadian Olympian to test positive for illegal drug use when his urine sample revealed a banned stimulant. Uh, meanwhile, his personal life would become the target of exposés, legal battles, and allegations of drugs, prostituted, prostitutes, and STDs, all of which he has vehemently denied, which you know is all bullshit. Right? You just got to get the rich man pass. It's the worst. Anyway. I could go on. I really could go on. It's so crazed. Yeah. Lawrence and his wife Eleanor separated when they were kids, but they re remained married. <laughs> Which means he convinced her not to take all of his motherfucking money that day. You know what I mean? Right? <laughs> I don't know about Canadian law, but I know like California law, that shit is half. So whatever, half of the 300 acres, I want 150 of them acres. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not playing around here today, you know? Ugh. Oh, uh, Eleanor Chittle also, became, also came from wealth. Her father had built a plastics empire from a small business. This is why the whole concept of inheritance taxes are important to to stop shit like this from happening. But she bore, uh, brought to the family a less fortunate inheritance. Blake's paternal grandmother, Leona, suffered from long bouts of severe mental illness, according to a report in Canada's, boy, oh boy, Canada's National Post. Ugh. Oh, yeah, Cody was sportier, so, and he lived with the dad, so he doted on him. Which, really to no avail, all he became was just a whale-gambling schmuck in Hollywood. And he's not a very good, he's not a good gambler. Not, fuck very good, he's not even good. So. Oh, yeah. Cody was, yeah, so he doted on him. According to family and friends, Lauren went so far as to buy Cody's hockey coach a house to ensure his son made the team. Fuck you. I hate that shit. <laughs> Blake felt left out oh, and the relationship tormented him fuck you too man how in the fuck this leads you down the road to, to just mutilating a person is I don't give a flying fuck if any of your parents liked you there's a f I could go out on the street <laughs> right now Hey, did your parents like you? Yeah, you know, my mother's kind of a motherfucker, but my dad was cool. Or vice versa, you know, right? You know, right? Or I didn't even have parents. I'm adopted. You know, whatever the fuck, right? I was a ward of the state. None of those people have done what he's done. He, they're what? What do you, what? Because of, <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's, for me, it's a more interesting argument about, like, the role of art in life, right? 
Because, like, okay, people talk about, like, how video games or whatever the fuck may make people violent, which is bullshit, but whatever. The idea that, like, this guy's already drawn his explicit fantasy live onto paper. People could buy it. People could see it. In, in fact, the cover of the goddamn comic is, like, a baby with, like, its brain, exp- like, like, a baby doll with, like, a human's head inside, brain incised, shown, like, like a, a the top, the left or whatever side of the inside of a normal head, right? It's like a doll with a human brain in it type thing. And you can see inside of it. Inside that book, there's a just a disgusting ass, you know, just a violent ass, just murder scene. Basically, the scene that you he ends up doing in real life. Therefore, when people say like, all right, well, you know, like pedophiles or whatever, right? You're like, well, you know, and like sometimes you get that weird argument. People will be like, well, you know, if you actually had underage girls in pornography, then maybe these pedophiles wouldn't go out and do it. It's a bullshit argument. Because, like, this guy's already, he's, like, physically done it and sold it to people. And people could see it and all this type of shit. He's been on book tours or whatever the fuck with it and everything, you know? Right? Been able to tell his friends about it. Hey, man, you see this fucking wicked scene? It's a base desire this man has to do that shit. Right? If he'd never drawn that book, he... Or what about this? If he didn't have access to so much fucking money, he'd just be able to do all this weird bullshit and just kind of skate like this rich, weird fuck on top of like this pile of money forever. Could he have done the same? Would he have done the same? You know what I mean? It's like he's like an artificial man. You know, <laughs> When you face no real hardships, what, your fucking parents don't get along? Welcome to the club, you know? I mean, yes, their father for sure is a douchebag. But here is plenty of douchebag dads running around, right? To do basically all that same shit, you know? But, like, once again, their children don't turn into these legitimate psychopath right <laughs> i don't like to throw that word around because that word gets like thrown around a lot weirdly you know like ah oh, man he's like psychopath this and all this bullshit now this fucking guy this guy's an all day real deal die in the wool no bullshit all day psychopath you know and the fact that these idiots that he's running around with can't tell that shit at all is fucked up by the way you know, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't imagine, I could not imagine walking around and never, it's like, nah, nah, this guy's cool, there's no fucking way this guy's always been cool, <laughs> you know, anyway. it's just bullshit, I, I'm like, what, oh. it's just sad, really, you know, I feel bad for a fucking family, you know, deal with this bullshit, you know, right? And sure, like, maybe, maybe it was a marriage of convenience or whatever the fuck. Doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you know? That is really funny, too. I just opened up the new uh, Hollywood Reporter webpage for today. 
why gender swapped Ocean's 8 has avoided Ghostbusters trolls because Ocean's 11 don't have fucking nerd tr- for fucking fans. Ocean's 11 has regular people fans. Well, Ghostbusters are OCD weirdos who ah gross. Anyway, that's that that's why I don't need to read the goddamn article. I know the goddamn people are psychos. Oh, Vince Vaughn arrested for DUI resisting arrest. The actor was arrested early Sunday morning in Mimosa Beach and has since been released by the Manhattan Beach Police Department. Anyway. <laughs> oh, really? John Lasseter to exit Disney at the end of the year? No shit. I can't imagine why. I didn't even know the goddamn Tonys were on. I, I, that's one thing I really don't know shit about. Like, I know, like, uh, the you know, sort of the big hits and the, ugh, boy, he looks gross. I've never seen a picture of him. <laughs> really? Oh, missteps? I want to see what this highlighted missteps is. <laughs> it's never easy to face your missteps. It's but it's the only way to learn from them. Oh, boy, he looks gross. Oh, he got he's got that like no lips, like that no top lip, but like a barely bottom lip. Once again, I hate to do this, but I think like the same way I look at like Quentin Tarantino. I really don't like to like judge a man just by his looks, but I I my gut, it's like a gut instinct thing where I see somebody I'm like nope. That guy's fucked up. I can see it in your eyes. I can see it in your fucking mannerisms. You have like this seething anger. Maybe it's because I can identify with it or something. You know? Maybe it's like identifying traits. I go, well, I can see me doing that. You know, whatever. I'm trying to figure out. Oh, that's cool. The 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 Theo uh, Theta Bar Cleopatra's coming out. That's cool. That's really cool, actually. Anyway. <laughs> what? Disney Animation at John Lasseter has taken a leave of absence from Pixar after acknowledging painful conversations and unspecified quote-unquote missteps, he wrote Tuesday in a memo to staff obtained by The Hollywood Reporter. Lasseter's statement arrived as TDHR was preparing a story detailing alleged misconduct by the Disney star, or the Disney executive. Let me see something. <laughs> I want to see if that fucking thing, I don't give a fuck about his dumb letter. I want to see this fucking alleged misconduct. <laughs> That's weird. Oh, there it is. Okay. Well, one longtime Pixar employee says Lasser was known for grabbing, kissing, making comments about physical attributes. <laughs> Rashida Jones. Oh, God. <laughs> Rashida, baby. Right? That's it, uh, Quincy Quincy Jones. <laughs> it's still credited as a writer on Toast Story 4, the next installment in the beloved franchise, but sources tell The Hollywood Reporter the actress, the actress and her writing partner at the time, Will McCormick, left the project early after on. <laughs> Early on after John Lasseter, the acclaimed head of Pixar and Walt Disney Animation, made an unwanted advance. Oh, my God. She's fucking fine. But you know what? She ain't yours, motherfucker. Right? It's so crazy to me. The idea. Just the general idea is so mad. That's so weird to me, too. Right now, there's Eddie Murphy's going to be Rudy Ray Moore on a Netflix thing. It do, that doesn't make any any sense. 
N- none. <laughs> like none. <laughs> Unless you want to say like both of them niggas made some bad movies. <laughs> he doesn't look like Rudy Ray Moore. He doesn't sound like Rudy Ray Moore. He doesn't act like Rudy Ray Moore. None of his comedy is like Rudy Ray Moore like. You know, it's like n- none of it makes sense. Like I said, Netflix money was like, hey girl. <laughs> it's like, hey girl. Oh, what? Jones and McCormick said, oh, okay. So after, uh, it's for about two weeks. They uh they were sending requests to uh, McCormick and Jones in a November twenty first uh, statement to the Times. He goes, "We did not." Uh, Jones and McCormick said, "We did not leave Pixar because of unwanted advances." That is untrue. That said, we're happy to see people speaking out about behavior that made them uncomfortable. We parted ways because of creative and more importantly, s- uh, philosophical differences. Oh, they describe Pixar as a place where a culture where women and people of color do not have an equal creative voice. Adding, we encourage Pixar to be leaders in bolstering hiring. <laughs> so it was like, what? Oh, no, we ain't going to put no niggas on the game. <laughs> Multiple sources of Pixar and the animation community talked to THR about Lasseter's alleged behavior, but asked not to be named out of fear that their careers. Hey, what's up? Uh, in the tight knit animation community would be damaged based on their accounts. He alleged incident involving Jones was not an isolated occurrence. One longtime Pixar employee says Lasseter, who was well known for hugging employees and others in the entertainment community, ugh, was also known by insiders as grabbing, kissing, making comments about uh, physical attributes. Mm. Multiple sources say that Lasseter is known to drink heavily at <laughs> company social events such as premiere parties, but this source says behavior was not always confined to such settings. God, that's so gross. What? Okay, there we go. Like, let's get to the fucking stories, baby. Executive added, I've recently had a number of difficult conversations that have been very painful for me. <laughs> it's never easy to face your uh, missteps, but it's the only way to learn from them. It's hard to over- overstate lasted value to Disney. He is known as a genius behind Pixar films from Toy Story to Coco. He took <laughs> I love back then they wrote opening November twenty second. Thanks. Sources say uh women at Pixar knew to turn their heads quickly when encountering him to avoid his kisses. <laughs> uh, some use a move they called the Lassiter to prevent their bosses from putting their hands on their legs. <laughs> That's so gross. What's wrong with people? What is wrong with people? Oh, God. A longtime insider says he saw a woman sitting seated next to Lasseter in a meeting that occurred more than 15 years ago. She was bent over and uh, had her arm across her thigh. He says, the best I can describe it is as a defensive posture. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> She's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. John had his hand on her knee, though, moving around. <laughs> After that encounter, this person asked the woman about what he had seen. She said it was unfortunate for her to wear a skirt that day, and if she had, if she didn't have her hand on her own right leg, his hand would have traveled. Oh, God. <laughs> the same source says he once noticed an oddly cropped photo of Lasser standing between two women at a company function. When he mentioned that to the colleague, he was like, we had to crop it. Do you know where his hands were? Oh, <laughs> oh God. 
get your fucking dusty mitts off of these poor women. What's wrong with you weirdos? Oh, but yeah, so he is to exit Disney at the end of the year. <laughs> Good. So he still got a consulting role until December 31st. It's the middle of June. Wow. God, can you imagine him to go to work seeing that douchebag? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, what is that? The Wall Street Journal vividly captured Lasser's propensity to move in for a hug in a 2011 feature that documented him giving 48 hugs to both men and women in the course of just one day. That's fucked up. I I don't like if I had to calendar back like how many hugs hugs I've gotten in my life. I don't know if it, it goes up to 48. That's a that's a tall number of hugs. <laughs> but that's because I don't let people touch me a lot. Anyway. That's a lot of hugs. 48 hugs in a day. I'd be like, fuck, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people to run into in a day. Just like, hey, how you doing? How you do-? People you know long enough to fucking hug up? Oh, that's sad. Uh, Eunice Gray- uh, Gason, the Dr. No star, the first Bond girl. She died uh, today. She's 90 years old. That's cool. Oh, Ryan Gosling's playing Neil Armstrong. That sounds awful. Let's see what else we got. Oh, that's stupid. <laughs> I still got shaking in my head. All right. Speaking of, I got nine minutes and I'm going to do something with it. Yeah. He's, by the way, yeah, he's one of the founders of Pixar. He was hired by Pixar's head, Ed Catmull, in 84. <laughs> right? He's, he's not the goddamn, the only one that was there. You know, they make it sound like sometimes. But it's it's like they do with any director, right? There are a, you know there are a shit ton of people that actually do work on movies, right? It's not just the director holding the boom mic and the lighting and shit, right? There's there's a lot of people. Anyway, whatever. God, I got that fucking song. I hate it when I get a song stuck in my head. I might play it again. How fucked would that be? Just play the same song twice during the same show. I don't care. Anyway. Yeah, that's a shame, Anthony Bourdain. I get sad when I see that little headline. It's a bummer. It's a nice person. Let's see what else we got. What does that mean? What is Smilf? Single mother? I'd like to fuck. What do, what do you figure? What do you figure a Smilf is? Let's find out. Doom doo 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 Smilf Oh, it's just a show <laughs> about Smilf. What's the difference between a MILF and a Smilf? <laughs> These are the things that are inviting the world. Oh, that's gross looking. What's what is this? Bridgette Bird is a smart, scrappy, young, single mom trying to navigate life in South Boston with an extremely unconventional family. She struggles to make ends meet, which leads her to impulsive and, in times, immature decisions. Above all, uh, Bridgette wants to make a better life for her son. Smilf takes on motherhood, co-parenting, and female sexuality through a raw and unfiltered lens. Don't miss this semi-biographical half-hour comedy. What? From the creative mind of Frankie Shaw. 
an original and fresh new female voice. I still don't know what a smilf is. <laughs> she was a shaken. looking at I don't know what else is going on here boy oh boy well that's cool SAG after strikes deal for new broadcast TV contracts oh wow Danny Kerwin former Fleetwood McIntyre dies at 68 he was like the old school one like fucking blues house at chess like the old ass Fleetwood Mac that's crazy Ha, that's cool. Steven Kitt's back at hateful dweebs who harass Star Wars actors. Exactly. That's the same asshole who's making fun of those fucking women for doing Ghostbusters, of all fucking things, as opposed to Ocean's 8, right? Ocean's 8 is just the same thing. (laughs) But whatever. Yeah, that's because regular people, I'll say it again, regular people like Ocean's 11, not these fucking hyper OCD nerd asses. Boy, Kevin Feige, I've never seen a picture of him either. That guy looks like a jockass. It's kind of amazing. I just like that word, jockass. Ugh. When people say shit like that, you should just be sure you're surrounded by greatness. What is that? Oh, cool. I got four minutes. Who gives a flying fuck? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to play this. And I'm going to get the fuck out of here. In that order. Cool. All right. I wish you guys as happy birthdays as I will have tomorrow. And uh, take care. We're out.
and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Mr. Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak. 
Then all you gotta do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> you down to Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco at 806 South Van Ness. Uh, we've got great food by our kitchen counter offer, burgers, tater tots, tachos, corn dogs, from opening until 11 p.m. most days of the week, except Saturday. Uh, every Saturday night we've got live rock and roll, some of the best local bands in San Francisco and touring acts as well. Come on down, 10 p.m., rock and roll, only night of the week. We have a $5 cover charge, always 5 bucks for live rock and roll. We're open from 4 p.m. until 2 a.m., Monday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 2 to 2. Come on down, have some drinks with us. We've got Whiskey Wednesday, Tequila Tuesday, and we've always got the Steve McQueen special. Shot a bullet bourbon and a can of California lager for 8 bucks. Come down and enjoy our patio. It's open uh, in the afternoon, not really in the evening, but a lot of good folks hanging out back there. Come on down, give us a shot. Drop by the bar, make some friends. Thanks, folks. Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District, San Francisco, California. With a happy hour every Monday through Friday until 7 p.m. Don't miss it. Go to Bender's Bar. Big supporter of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018. Spark is San Francisco's premier cannabis dispensary with a focus on serving and educating patients for seven years. Spark is dedicated to creating the best in-store experience with its extensive menu, friendly staff, and one of the few cannabis vape lounges in San Francisco. Spark welcomes you to visit its two great locations as a medical patient or for recreational adult use in 2018. Spark is located at 1256 Mission Street between 8th and 9th and at 473 Haight Street at Fillmore. Both locations are open until 10 p.m. every night. Spark staff looks forward to serving you. 
coming at these bitches and all these snitches hitting them switches going back Rainbow Grocery, a worker-owned and operated food cooperative located at 1745 Folsom Street in the Mission District of San Francisco. Let's hear what locals have to say about Rainbow Grocery. Their bulk section is dope AF. I love their, their variety of cheese and home decor items uh, and this of unique items that you can't find anywhere else. Their cheese section is insane. I love Rainbow Grocery because it's the number one grocery store to shop at when you're having a potluck and need to fulfill everyone's dietary needs. They don't have meat. Rainbow Grocery Cooperative, an amazing San Francisco staple since 1975. <laughs> For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bear exoskeleton contessa. And check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com. Timstesseract.com. So you want to be a comic? It's not as easy as we make it look. But that's because Mutiny Radio has eight hours a week of open mic stage time for all your comedy workout needs. Strain those improv muscles every Sunday from four to six at Getting